0: This is Creating Space, and I am West Knight, and this is a milestone. This is episode number five, and I want to do something just a little bit different.
1: And I'm hoping the something you want to do is to bring back the subject of episode number one. I'm Mark Wright, and I was in the hot seat during episode number one. Now I've taken the mic from you, my brother, and I'm going to be the one asking you the tough questions, not for me, but for your fans and for your followers who want to know a little bit more about West Knight, what makes him tick, and why creating space was created. So that's episode number five. Are you ready to roll? Let's do it, man. Let's go. And I got this Bieber song on my mind today, man.
0: Bieber you know? is crushing it. it. What is that? Bieber is crushing you know? it. Somehow he stays relevant, whether yeah.
1: it's in fights or, he or does. whatever I see. He does. He's relevant. He's either smart or definitely talented but he's got some people around him who are just like hitting all the right buttons or maybe when you get to that level whatever button you hit is the right button talk
0: about marrying up he married a, a he, team
1: he yeah. married up to a team who's going to take did. care of him no he matter sure, what
0: they rebranded him well yeah
1: um, he's figured out how to survive that line man my mama don't like you and she likes everyone he's got a great mama who runs the show for him so yeah. i think all right that's enough about me. <laughs> It's weird Mark, Mark went <laughs> straight to Beaver to start. <laughs> That's weird. Let's talk about West Knight. Okay. So last night I'm doing some homework, some digging up some stuff. Yeah. And I stumbled onto your press conference after your last professional game. Right. And here are my observations. Extremely poised, confident, assured, maybe even reassured yep. that, yep, this is the end. There was not melancholy. Uh, there was no sadness on the outside, on mm. the epidermis, I want you. I want to. I want you to tell me what was really going on. So the West Knight that we saw there, who was super confident, "Hey guys, I'm out. Peace, mm. about to do this next thing." Because yeah. you know, and even the reporters are like, "Dude, I mean, what talk to us doing? some more." Yeah, what we saw on the outside, what was really going on on the inside? Well, that conversation
0: uh, had been three years in the making, Mark. 2013, when I suffered my knee injury. That was the beginning of a massive, massive downward spiral, and I was searching long and hard to figure out how to feel good again, right? Because soccer was the identity, and when soccer got removed, I was lost, right? So I was figuring out, okay, I need to get soccer back, need to feel good, and it wasn't happening. I was rehabbing, soccer started to come back into my life, still wasn't happening. Soccer wasn't filling the void that I thought it would feel when it left. Um, And it left a huge hole in my heart. That injury changed my life in so many different ways. I ended up sabotaging a relationship, was homeless for two weeks in Vancouver, trying to figure out how I was gonna pay the next bill. I was scratching for something. I needed to feel whole again because I had this hole in my heart. And when I got back to playing, it just didn't feel like it used to feel anymore. I just was not, I still was not fulfilled. I still was searching for something. When I was chasing the dream of the MLS, I was full of life and of passion and of ambition and I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop. I was gonna eat your plate, my plate, and then the next guy's plate. You couldn't stop my work rate. And then after the injury, that was gone. I was a shell of myself. And so I chased the game to get back and it still didn't fill me. And I knew at that point, even when I was, you know, last year, I was the NASL leader in minutes played and starts. Um, I was back at the height. I was feeling like myself again. My knee had never felt better. It wasn't about my knee. It was about not feeling like myself. And I knew I had to step away from the game. It wasn't giving me
1: what it used to. So you work your whole life to get to this level, right? You get a setback. Injury knocks you off, makes you refocus, and then you became the guy you've always been. You worked hard and you rehabbed and you got back to where you were playing again. Sure. You didn't feel any pain, you know, led the league in minutes, played and played every game. Sure. So you actually got what you wanted. Yeah. And what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you got exactly what you wanted. Right. And then you walk away. Mm-hmm. Wes, you're being dramatic. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. And, why, and why, why, why? Why?
0: <sighs> In my heart, I knew I was meant for something more. I was meant for something more. I had something inside of me that was more than the selfish part of being an athlete. It's what can you do for me? How much money can I make in this contract? What is the club going to give me? And it's me, me, I. And this is my perception of it, by the way. This is not everyone's. Um, and I was not the guy that I liked. I, I cared about being in front of individuals, and I cared about people. I can, I can remember when I was on trial with the Colorado Rapids after being away from it for so long, and I was coaching with the Whitecaps, and I was known as the retired player, and you know, I can remember being like, I'm going to get back to playing, but I'm not, it's not worth my energy telling these people about it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to show them, and I was working on Sabotaging the ego that I had built over the course of all of my life, I had taken so much of that wall of the ego down. And then I can remember distinctly going on the trips with the Colorado Rapids badge on my clothes again, and people taking pictures in the airport and wanting autographs. And I can remember that ego starting to build again. And I would journal at this time because through the depression that started and through the anxiety, I I found journaling is to be a, a way to cope. And so I started journaling about my ego. Holy shit, dude, you have this huge, huge ego, and this is a problem. And I could feel it start to build again. And at that point, I knew I've got to find a way to transition out of this because this is going to kill me. This is going to kill me and put me into bad habits that I'll never be able to fix. Hmm. So that's why. To be honest with you, Mark, I had to step away from myself. I had to
1: get away from the guy that I thought I was and transform. Uh, so- that guy that you became the ego driven the hard work driven i I call him the kobe bryant that guy yeah right yeah um is how we train athletes sure girls and boys um to become we all want that's the pinnacle that's where you want to be eat yours eat mine and eat the next guys Mm. right so we have a, a well you tell me do we have a society of People like that, especially athletes. I
0: deal with this on a daily basis. For most of you who who know, I am a coach. I'm a coach at the highest level of of youth soccer, the U.S. Development Academy here at the Carolina Rapids, Uh, and I deal with it every day because I'm pushing these kids for the mindset of a professional with the understanding that most of these kids are never going to be a pro, and I'm teaching them to be conditioned on only themselves. Look after yourself. Care about yourselves underneath the context of the team. And I really, I have a hard time with that. So I try as much as I can to teach the team dynamic, to talk about mindfulness, to really give some life lessons into what I'm doing, because I'd like to be the coach remembered as the guy teaching more than footy. You know, I can think back to a few of my coaches who were good coaches because they, yeah, they knew the X's and O's, but there were only a few guys in my life who were ever like, Hey man, There's more going on in this world than just this ball and just this game. Mm -hmm. So I try to give back a little bit more
1: than just X's and O's. At some point during the conversation, we'll talk about three or five moments that shaped your life. I don't know if I have five moments. I probably have two or three myself. So if you say I only have two, then we'll get to that. But we'll talk about that a little uh, later. So we retire. We're coaching. You said it in your press conference. I'm pivoting. I'm planting my pivot foot and I'm going into another direction. Yeah. Why the pivot? Well, I got the opportunity to coach, and I had gotten all my coaching badges while I
0: was a player. My ex's father at the time, who was an incredible mentor, uh, his name is Bobby Leonard Doozy. He's the president of the Vancouver Whitecaps. He was like a second father to me, uh, and I, I went to him for everything. Uh, and he forced me, really. He challenged me. The way to force West Knight, myself, and that ego mm-hmm. is to challenge it, you know, uh, and he knew that. So he challenged me when he wanted to force me to wake up and and do things. So he challenged me to go and and to get my B license and then subsequently get my A license. I mean, I was on crutches at the B license just off of my surgery. Mm. uh, And I didn't want to show up. And I was about to back out. And Bobby goes, nah, you're not doing that. You're showing up. You're going. And I wanted to not show up because of the, the ego in me. This guy didn't want all the other Individuals who were learning how to become coaches to see him hurt, you know, how, how twisted is that mindset? So, so selfish. So when the opportunity came from the Carolina Rapids, I came out to Charlotte and I was talking, I have a, I'm not a religious guy, but I'm a very spiritual guy. I, I recognize the synthesis in all, all religions and understand that there's something bigger. And I have a growing relationship with the divine and with the universe. And I was always talking, okay, give me a sign here. Let me know by feeling or by a conversation with another individual whether this is right. And when I got to Burkdale uh, and I met Kevin Flanagan and Thomas Finley, it just felt good. It felt right. It felt like Charlotte was the place for me. And the lake was right beside me. I spent a lot of time in the ocean in Vancouver while I was healing and while I was spiraling. So I needed to get back to the water. Stars aligned, and I,
1: I, made, I made the decision. Sounds like Thomas and, and Flanagan did their homework. <laughs> Let's meet by the lake.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll get them. We'll get
1: them. They also knew that there were uh,
0: tons of attractive women yeah. that were in Brookdale And yeah. at that time, you know, it was... Yeah. Hey, let's get this young soccer player. The Lake, around, attractive around
1: women, uh, pivot. Yeah. Oh, they did their homework. Uh, yeah, they knew. Yep, they yep, knew, yep, they yep, knew yep. what motivated. Shout West out, out at to the Kevin time. Flanagan and Thomas <laughs> Finley of the Carolina Rapids. So you talk about that ego. You are no longer going in hard on tackles, taking guys on in that realm. But when and where does the ego that you still have? Because I don't I assume you still have it. Yeah. Okay. Where does that? Where and when does that ego manifest itself? And do you still feel like you have to manage it?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Mark. Um, I deal with my ego on a daily basis, uh, and I'm. A, I have been conditioned and have had a father who uh, is a is a great coach, the best coach I've ever had in my life. But he's an emotional reactor, and he thinks initially on the subconscious reaction. The first feeling he gets on. On an issue, that's what he goes with. And I saw that. I watched that. I am more of my dad than I ever realized. So, yeah, partly it's nature and partly it's nurture. So when I'm challenged in life, when, when you know, a, a coach on the other side challenges me or a parent has an issue with something that I'm doing, my first reaction will be to react emotionally. Take them on. And take them on. Yeah, Absolutely. However, Kevin Flanagan, uh, my boss at the Carolina Rapids, is a psychology major, and he catches me every time I do it. And the amount of distance that I have gone from selecting the first emotion that came to mind when I was challenged to allowing the uh, recognizing the emotion as it comes, allowing it to come and go and then using intelligence to react is now something that I've become obsessed with. I'm going to continue to pursue it to mastery. I'm never going to get there. But I believe, and you have taught me this, that a high level of emotional intelligence is a great skill. It's a great skill. So I I, I work for that, but man, is it rare its head. And when I play on Thursday nights at Revolution Park and a guy comes at me sideways, I still can't turn it off. Mm And it's served me well, so why lose it in that context? But I got to lose it outside of it.
1: Sure. Well, and within the sports context, regardless of the sport, name a name a great who doesn't have an ego. Yeah, because to be great, you know that somebody is coming after you and you always have to prove yourself. Some some guys and gals are a little bit more loquacious and loud and beat their chest. Others are like Tim Duncan. You think Tim Duncan doesn't have an ego? (laughs) You think Tim doesn't want to kill people when he Uh, goes out there, even at 40?
0: What a way of masking that, by the way. Exactly. He's so clever. Yeah. He's so clever. But what I realized and what kind of made me uncomfortable about professional sports when I initially got into it and before I understood it was that that competition is not just in the other locker room. That competition is the guy beside you who wants your spot because he's got mouths to feed. And if you're playing over him, he's going to lose his contract. And then he can't feed his family, so it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than me. And that's when it became I've got to
1: really sure up this armor because there are sharks everywhere. Everywhere. You Good can't segue. Yep, great point. Good segue to creating space. I'm going to come at you a little different, right? So I've covered professional athletes my whole career, and it's been awesome. I've met some awesome people, and I count you among them. But here comes the but. Uh-oh. Because you've been catered to, because somebody's packed your bags and cleaned your shoes and got you a contract, and you never have to worry if the team bus or the plane has gas, right? Mm-hmm. People cater to you. Reporters are coming to you, five more minutes, yeah, talk to our fans. yeah, right? Yeah. It turns you into somebody unlike the rest of us. And for some people, it makes them it, you, you literally you become Kanye West. I mean, you just live in a whole another world, and that's where the ego comes in so you decide professional playing career is over i'm now pivoted to another direction of teaching and learning and nurturing and that is noble and then you also decide now you know what i like podcasting i, I like podcasts i like to read <laughs> i like to listen to different people and share yeah. experiences you know what i'm do yeah i'm gonna start a podcast right never done it before Didn't you know, know one thing about it damn it i could do it <laughs> can't be that hard <laughs> right yeah what gave you the gumption, Oof. the gall yeah. to step into the bravery, to step into an arena to which you knew nothing about, and think for a minute that you might be successful at it? Ah, what a what a loaded, loaded, loaded question. Boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah, yeah. You hit me a,
0: a couple of different ways there. I'm going to backtrack to Vancouver, uh, Mark, and I'm going to start where... I had sold my vehicle, my 1999 Nissan Maxima, to a guy in Washington. I drove over the border. I needed $900 to pay the next rent. I was sinking all the money I had into my rehab. I never wore a knee brace. He would not allow me to wear a knee brace. He turned me from a warrior to a warrior. Randy Celebrini, I owe a lot of where I am now to you. But I'm going to backtrack to sold my car, had $900 to get myself off of a buddy's Cousin, who I never met, I was on his couch, Croatian guy, had to get off the couch, sold my car, had an individual, Judy Howard, loaned me a bike, loaned it to me. I couldn't pay for it. So I was using a bike to ride six miles over the Lionsgate Bridge to training to coach and back two or three times a day. Life was hard. My knee hurt. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to coach. It hurt to stand up. I felt like my knee was never going to heal. It was raining in Vancouver. It rained all the time. I was riding in the rain. I was struggling to earn enough to buy a bus ticket so I didn't have to ride when it was raining. The ego was gone. The ego was gone. And there were so many days where I was sitting in my new apartment with no furniture, a bed on the ground that had been donated to me by Katie Tarrant. I drove a truck, an open bed truck over to her house to get an old bed that she had. And it rained. Torrential downpour the entire way back to my apartment. My bed was soaked for three days. I had to sleep on the floor beside my bed as it dried. I was in a, life was hard, man. You're talking about crying. I cried and I wept and I wanted for my parents, but my parents couldn't do anything. So I was in a, I was in a dark place and I'm riding one day, every day at night, I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. There's suicide and depression in my family. I started to get scared because I started to have panic attacks. And then in the panic attacks, I was getting so anxious that I started to think about suicide. And so that was the first time that thoughts like that had ever come into my mind. And that really scared me. That really pushed the anxiety to another level. And I remember one night just being like, if I wake up tomorrow and I still feel like this, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm on the verge of anxiety on panic attacks at every moment. I can't look people in the face, Mark. I can't look them in the eye because I feel like they can see that I am I am spiraling. So I'm riding over the Lionsgate Bridge trying to get back to, to work, to West Vancouver. And I stop at this one point. It's at the last rise on the bridge. The steeple of the Lionsgate Bridge is at the last one as I'm going from Vancouver into North Vancouver and I stopped right there and I put my bike against it and I walked over to the fence and I put my hands on the fence and at that moment I was like I don't want to do this anymore I don't I I don't think I can ever play again I don't have any formal education I didn't graduate I don't want to go back home and face my friends tell them I lost I'd rather give up West Knight the quitter and I was moments away from climbing that fence and jumping off. So creating space. I decided to get back on my bike, don't quit. I heard my mom's voice and she, when I would cry, she used to tell me, it's going to be okay, kid. It's going to be okay. And I could hear that. I could hear her voice. And with that voice, I stepped away from the fence. I got back on my bike and I went back to work. Adrenaline buzzing feeling as if I put my hand on something that was vibrating. You know, my entire body was just overwhelmed with a rush of adrenaline. I went home after that work day and I journaled. I said, God, universe, help. Help me. I almost killed myself today. I need help. Show me the way. Show me what you want. And that began the relationship. i never had a formal relationship before that, but that began the relationship of something spiritual. Having a communication with something that wasn't there to give me some sort of comfort or guidance. And I picked up a book. I picked up The Alchemist. And I read that book, set it down. I went on, I journaled. And it led me to continue to rehab, which got me back to playing, which got me a little bit closer to home. Okay, so I needed to get soccer to get me a little closer to home, give me a job, buy me time. I got to get out of Vancouver. Got to. So I went to get my A license in December, met Pablo Masterini. We we're both taking the A license together. This is a guy, highly touted U.S. national team player. He's now the head coach of the Colorado Rapids, doesn't have his A license. So I'm kicking it with Pablo. I'm playing well because I'm highly conditioned. I've been rehabbing for 16 months. I'm blowing by all these former pros. Pablo's like, dude, Who are you and do you want to come try out? Yeah, you pay your flight. I'll give you a tryout. All right, 200 bucks, bought a one way ticket. Flew in, made it all the way till Wednesday, the Wednesday before match day one, week one, and was released. Went back to Vancouver literally sick. I had put every bit of my heart and soul to try to get that contract. Didn't get it, was sick, puking, fever. I don't know if I got a sickness from someone on, the pl- someone on the plane or if my soul was just depleted. But two or three days later, I got a call from Colin Clark, the coach of the Railhawks, and he said, Wes, do you want a job? I said, Colin, sign me up. So I went to the Chief, a massive mountain there in Vancouver. I climbed the Chief, I sat on the top. I said, Universe, is th- if this is for me, make it known. Let me know. The feeling was good. I signed the contract. I was out of Vancouver, sold all my things. I was out of Vancouver a week later. I was in Raleigh and that's where I got a little bit more time. I got a little bit more time to, to figure out what I was going to do next. The opportunity kept talking. I know this is not it. Give me a sign. Okay. The opportunity to coach came that felt good. Took it. Okay. Got a little redirection there. Okay. This feels good. This is going to put a little bit more money in my pocket. It's going to give me a little more time. Coaching, love it and gifted at it to a degree, but it wasn't my passion. I wasn't aligned. I wasn't burning with this part of myself that I knew. So reading books is hard for me. So I started hearing about podcasts, turned on podcasts. Lewis Howes, The School of Greatness, started listening to him. Former athlete, played arena football, started a podcast and and started talking about how to become a better version of yourself. From that moment forward, I knew that what was I good at? I was good at having conversations. I was good at talking. And I loved asking people how to be better at life. Getting mentored, being coached. I love being coached. Mm. So I decided at that moment, I wasn't going to force myself to be fearful any longer. I was going to step into that, into the light of my new direction, because I couldn't imagine myself doing anything
1: else. And here we are. Um,
0: That was a long-winded explanation. No, that's okay.
1: That's all right. Uh, Thank you for the clarity in the background. So we get to creating space, but I want to back up a bit. And you told a story about your lowest point, almost taking your own life or at least having the thought to do it. And that's a story that people across all walks of life can identify with. Maybe they didn't get to that level. Maybe they did. But that was a very emotional time for you. And as you told that story, Mm -hmm. you talked about how you cried and wept and all that. But you didn't cry just now. Yeah. You didn't weep. And I guess that tells me that there is no more sadness that's what it tells me. Mm-hmm. Now, don't let me put words in your mouth. I do that for a living. <laughs> tell me why when you tell that story, and I've heard you tell that story a couple times, Yeah, you didn't cry. Well, you know, it's hard for me to say this,
0: but I the relationship that I blew up, I didn't just blow up a relationship with a girl that I loved. I blew up with a, a relationship with a family that cared about me and loved me, and I wasn't in a good spot. I was dark, and I blew it up, sabotaged it, and they kicked me out. And rightly, they should have. They said, you're not aligned with what we're doing here. Go. You got to go. And it was hard. I was heartbroken. It was the first time I ever had love. First time I ever had, you know, a real relationship with a family. And it felt really good. Felt really good. And they kicked me out. They kicked me from a caterpillar into the cocoon is really what they did when I look back in hindsight. They forced me to stop being afraid. I was afraid of responsibility. I was afraid of life. I was afraid of taking things. Like you said, I had been catered to my entire pro-life, my entire life, even in college. And they forced me literally to get into that cocoon and to go through a transformation. And I'm not sad about that anymore. I've cried more tears than I can cry about being low hurting people that I loved and cared about and almost taking my life. I've cried more tears than I can number. However, I recognize that without that moment, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you right now talking about something that I'm so passionate about. It exceeds any amount of love that I ever had for soccer. What I'm doing right now to be able to have the opportunity to tell other people's stories and talk about how they became better how they transformed. And to help a community, that is service. That's what I love. And without those experiences, I wouldn't be here sitting in front of Mr. Mark Wright, the highly accomplished journalist I've ever met with a wife who is even more accomplished than him. And listen how blessed I am to be able to do that. Without that, Mark, I wouldn't be here. So I'm so grateful for that moment. I'm so appreciative that I had to go through that because,
1: man, was it hard. But man, Has it been worth it? So worth it. I definitely appreciate that. And yes, my wife is definitely more accomplished um, (laughs) than I am. and She's so
0: impressive. I have no ego.
1: I have no ego. Listen, here's my thing. And again, quick segue, side note. Somebody told me along the way that you need to surround yourself with people who are better Mm -hmm. than you, smarter than you. And I've been lucky in that I've surrounded myself with women who are better than me and smarter than me. My wife is one of them. We both have Sharita Johnson in common, a former vice president of ESPN, who everybody who has a podcast at ESPN should be sending checks to Sharita Johnson right now because she created them and made them who they are and oh. made them better. So she's been a great coach for you and been a sister for me. So it's just so when you have smart women around you, that ego thing, mm-hmm. right? That ain't happening, it bro. Goes, it goes, it out goes the away. Window. It goes away. When you're in a room with your boys, there's mm-hmm. ego right here between us Absolutely right now. Absolutely, there is. Uh, it's not as thick, right? <laughs> but it just is. So if you're listening out there, if you really want to get better, surround yourself with people who don't look like you, people who are different in, in many, many ways. This segment, sponsored by Heather Keats Wright and Sharita
0: Johnson. Sharita <laughs> Johnson, I've got to tell you, <laughs> um, you do so much for me and my life. You know you speak my you know how to speak my language. You know where I'm coming from. You know what I'm about, but you will not allow me to get in my own way. You've put individuals like Olivia Bellamy, who is my producer, who I literally just send her things and she puts this magical touch on it. You've aligned me with individuals in my life who are interested in me and pushing me forward, but at the same time, you're teaching me how to be a real young man and how to operate in my life with dignity and i got so much love for you sharita and I, i'm so happy mark that you mentored me and then have aligned uh our past sharita and, and my past so thank you for that for being the the creator that's what you do you're the facilitator man you just do
1: that for a living that's pretty wicked that's what i tell my kids you know i'm a facilitator <laughs> i'm a true number 10 if you,
0: if you were a footy player you'd yeah. have 10 on the
1: back yeah, of your yeah exactly dad, the they say, dad you're a slow <laughs> facilitator so we get to creating space which that's what your life's been just kind of needing space and creating space mm. it's a it's a metaphor for the game I don't want to sell it. How'd you get to the name of that and what does it mean? You know, why not yeah. why not live long and prosper?
0: Ah, that's a great question. And that's so funny that you'll ask the question. So I, I had so many different names set up for it. And this entire time I've been trying to push away from soccer. I don't want to be seen in that light anymore. I'm I'm more than that, Mark. You know, I'm not just a face here. I I I am intelligent. I can hold a conversation. I don't need a soccer ball anymore. Mark, you told me, you looked at me and Sharita as well said, oh there, big fella. Hold on there, big fella, listen. this is something that you gave your life to, has given you, you know, albeit a small platform, you've got to use this tool in some degree. You're coaching it for God's sakes, right? So I had a couple of, I don't even remember how insignificant the names were, but what I did is I'm very, what I'm good at is I'm good at recognizing other individuals' strengths and allowing them to operate within their strengths. And so I said, you know what, why am I even trying to think of a name? Why don't I pass it to a guy who does this for a living? So I passed it to you, Mark. And I said, Hey, thinking of a couple names, what do you think? You said, let me think on it. I want to say 30 minutes later, you had a couple and then you said, Creating or create space, and it boom, it hit me in my Muhammad Ali pow right in my face. I said, Whoa, because I use that every day in training. You've got to open up away from the defender to create space for yourself. And I thought about it. It wasn't until soccer, I was brave enough to step away from soccer, that I created a space in my life for something else to come in. And initially, that was coaching. But then when I created space away from the fear of stepping away from soccer and started to jump out and step out into a new realm, boom, created space for podcasting and for mindset coaching and for motivational speaking. It's created space for so much more. And so I think using the
1: soccer analogy would only be fitting and you crushed it in, in naming the name. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you crush it on the first try. <laughs> And one of the contributors on that, I have to give him props, is my son, Max, who you coach. I think by that point, we had whittled the titles down to maybe three. Right. And uh, I said, hey, buddy, here's what we're doing. What do you think? He looked at it for five seconds, and he said, it's creating space. He, uh, why he's are we a brilliant even, kid. Why, why, why are we talking about he's this? He's
0: a brilliant kid. Max plays with me on my 14s. Um, Max is one of our best players uh, at the 14 level. And he's the brightest, the sharpest kid that you can be around. I asked Max. I sat beside him on the way to Dallas on a flight. Max kind of talks to me like he's 30 years old. So we're having a 30-year-old conversation. I'll be 30 in September. So me and another 14-year-old, 30-year-old sitting beside each other. And I'm a deep guy. I like to have deep conversations. So I said to Max, I said, Max, you got a a little while left on this earth. uh, And you've got three things you think you would tell somebody else to experience before their life ended. Max said, Coach, can I think about it? Just like his dad. Can I think about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready, coach. Two or three minutes later. What's the first thing, Max? Everyone in their life should, have, should experience a family tie. Real family ties. Boom. The kid knows what it's about. So it was his birthday a couple of days ago, and I know the one book that I always go to in my life, no matter my age, no matter what I'm going through, when I need to be taught and need the book calls me back. It's The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho. I got that for Max, uh, and I hope that at any point as he ages and goes through his life, he can use that book, and it will touch him like it touched me.
1: So, tell me about creating space. Where we are with it? How many sessions you've done? What the feedback yeah. has been like from? from many of your, your fans and listeners and likers. and
0: Wow. So I, I, let me start there. Clay Tootin, that you put me in contact with, another uh, a graphic designer, he put together an incredible graphic for Creating Space, for what I've got going on here. And I told him, he called me, he's like, what do we want? And I said, listen, I almost took my life on this bridge. I need this bridge as a, a symbolic version of this bridge incorporated. Make it happen. If you look at the Creating Space logo, you'll see the big A that encompasses both A's in Creating and Space. That is a combination of the Lionsgate Bridge and the Ravenel Bridge from Charleston, two places where college and my professional career started and professional career subsequently ended, but a new life began. So, started with the logo. I am now four episodes in. The feedback has been a mixture. So, I've had the audio... Um, heads being like, ah, oh, the audio quality is not good enough, but I like the message. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm learning something from this, but I, I want to know more, right? Uh, your interview process has to be a little bit better. You know, you don't, you don't ask the right questions. And, and I love those comments. The ego in me is like, Oh, well, hold on. You know, I'm spending a lot of time here. It's not like I'm just walking into the interview with no context and not doing my homework. So I need those. I need that feedback. It's tough to hear sometimes, especially when I got a, an email from my producer and she said, look, you got to figure this out because if this is what you want to do, it's got to be better. And I thought initially I wanted to be like, hey, you know, hold on. But at the same time, I remember all the coaches that looked at me and said, you're not doing this right. You got to figure it out or you won't play. And I figured it out. And I got to do the same thing with creating space. So there's been the individuals and the fans that are like, I love what you're doing. You know, your Snapchats every day motivate me, your Instagrams I can go to for some boost and some motivation. I love being able to learn from other people. I know that the universe is giving me guidance in those affirmations. So it... Give me feedback, like, comment, share some of the things that you hear, the podcast, the Facebook live episodes, share them with other individuals so we can help expand the reach. We can touch more lives. We can share your message, Mark, or Jasmine Margrino's message that was on last week's show. You know, there's so many messages that are, and they don't have to be famously successful individuals. Everyone has a story. Everyone can be inspiring and has been inspired. And that's where I want to go, Mark. I just want to try to reach as many people who may be where I once was and try to help pull them out of that situation.
1: Yeah. You just answered the next question, which is what do you hope creating space ultimately becomes and takes you. Where do you want creating space to be two years from now when we do you know another session right here? What do you hope for creating space to be in two years?
0: Yeah, I'd like to help grow creating space to a point where um, there's a massive amount of service for it. So we've gone national and gone global. In two years, I think national is a great. Uh, global would be the highest goal. National would be uh, the best goal in the sense of doing camps, going a weekend, workshops where I come in and I align with other individuals who are about the same message in the city. Maybe we go to Atlanta and we're having workshops for teaching people how to pivot out of one job and start their own companies. And we're teaching young kids about how to become mindful and how to be nutritionally intelligent and and put the right things in their bodies and mindfulness health and wellness. Also, I would love, uh, I'm aligned right now with Sharita uh, and Legacy of Grace Foundation in Africa. I would love to raise enough money to be able to put a uh, fully functional 6v6 turf soccer field over there in Africa where it's self-sustaining. Maybe we've got um, you know some solar-powered energy providing energy to the lights. There's the Creating Space logo in the middle of the field, giving an opportunity for these kids to get to the game access and having soccer football is a world's game. It heals people. It allows you to get away from whatever you're dealing with. And for a moment, you're free. And I want to use what gave me freedom and I want to help give that to other people. So creating space is going to begin with a podcast and with a message. And I just want that message to grow and wherever it goes, it goes. But I, I want to reach as many people as I can because I can remember that guy with his hands inside of the fence, looking over the, the water there, thinking about taking my life. And I want to literally reach down, grab that guy, pull him out of that darkness and metaphorically do that for anyone else who needs some motivation.
1: So you talked about you want to talk to a vast pool of people from different walks of life. But go ahead and name drop for me some people you hope to speak with down the road. It's very possible they might be listening. And when they hear that, hey, you know, uh, this guy would like to speak with me. I guess I'm worthy to be spoken to because, yes, I'm a celebrity, or yes, I'm an athlete, or yes, I'm this, I'm that. But there's a, a piece to me that works for his Creating Space brand. Right. Just throw some names at me. Russell Speak Brand. It in. Wow. That guy is awe-inspiring.
0: Man, does he go against the grain, and he's unapologetic apologetic and he's a visionary. and. He doesn't allow the facade of fear to get in his way. And he's unapologetic. He he doesn't care what you think. He's going to do what he and his heart feels like is his calling, and he's going to help. Two more people that you'd like (sighs) to... As cliche as it sounds, Mike Jordan. Okay. Man, Mike changed my life. I watched him when I was younger. Didn't really realize what he was doing. But every time I could, I tuned into one of his videos. His uh, motivational videos on YouTube and it could solve saw the, saw the passion he had for the game and the motivation that he was able to give me helped me get up out of bed when I was tired and go do extra work. Go put hours in on the field after training because that's what it took and that's what Jordan did. So I got to do it because it worked for him. One more. One more. Man, you know
1: what? Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. Yeah. You get a car.
0: Yeah. She. Why a- Oprah? Oprah I believe has found a way to push her message as broad as possible uh, to be able to bring as many people along the way and she's going to she's learned how to interview anyone and gain their trust and tell their story to be able to influence the community that she has you know she brings all people from all type walks of life same as Ellen I'd say I'd put Ellen on the same level at third Ellen DeGeneres. I love what both of them are doing. I think Ellen is trying to throw a whole new comedic aspect to it. Both of those women are highly inspiring and I would love to sit down with them and learn how they got to the place that they are now. But yeah, I think my fourth, I will say I'd like to sit with Lewis Howes and I'd like to tell him, hey man, thanks. You with your platform made me look at me with my platform and say, hey, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can, man. I can do this. And all it takes is me taking a step, and then I'll find a way to make another step, and I'll find a way to make another step. And I'm still taking steps. I don't know what I'm doing, Mark, but I wake
1: up every day, set my intention to do something. Got to pivot every day. Every day. Got to pivot every day to the next thing. When you book Ellen DeGeneres, I want to be in the room. You are looking at Ellen's biggest fan. Ah, She's big
0: time. She's brilliant. Well, I remember when you said uh, when you said to me, "Hey, man, maybe we'll get RG three on the show one day." And you said, "Ah, you never get him. You never get him." So I can't wait for that moment uh, when I hit RG three and I say, "Hey, I remember what it was like to tear my ACL and to feel not quite what I used to be." You want to chat? And then I'm going to shoot you a text, Mark, and I'm going to say, "Hey, just so you know, RG three is going to talk to me about what it's like to have so much pressure." On you to perform, and then a circumstance that you can't control changes that. Yeah, and I love to hear that that story. A
1: great conversation.
0: (laughs) Um, It's challenges, man. It's challenges. I'm fueled by challenges. Listen,
1: I'll leave you with this: you can get anybody. Okay, you can get anybody you want. Okay, from the president of the pick the country to Mark Wright, Mm. you can get anybody. Don't limit yourself. Nah. Uh, you've got a great team around you and you've got drive and passion. And if you pivot firm enough sure. and you go baseline, nobody yeah. can stop you. Yeah, baseline. But if your pivot is half what it needs to be,
0: your slip. Yes, I will say that. What Man, what a great way to end this. I'll say this to anyone listening to me who may be in a job right now that they don't like, maybe doing things that they hate to make money for someone else. Hear this in my voice. Whatever it is in your heart, that you want to do, do it, chase it. I guarantee you that once you take a step, you'll figure it out. And then you take another step and you figure it out. And then people like Mark Wright for me come into your life because they want to help. And they know how to help, and they will direct you to other people that will help. This universe is all about people wanting to help, giving themselves for service. And the moment that you step outside of your comfort zone and you take a risk will be the moment that you think, you think that your parachute will not open, but you will be surprised as to what unfolds. You just, it's getting from one side of the fence. The fence being fear and getting over that fear and getting to the other side. But rest assured, there are 98%, I believe, of people who convince themselves that they can't do it. They convince themselves, whether it's by someone telling them that they can't or whether it's themselves saying, this is too hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I deal with that same fear every single day. I don't want to do this because I'm a little worried about how it's going to be perceived. I don't want to tell this story because people will see me as weak. I have to face my fears every day. And every time I face a fear, I grow. Okay. So chase something that is uncomfortable. If it comes up and it's arousing you as discomfort, fix it immediately. Once you overcome that fence of fear, you'll find a new one. And then your confidence will grow. Your fear will diminish and you will go so much further than you ever realized. Trust me on that. Let you be my witness. I've been at the bottom. I want to help you get to the top. The first step is help yourself.
1: Help yourself. Excellent. Tell the people where you're at, how to find you. Okay. This platform, this is episode number five number five of the first five
0: series. You can find me in this podcast, in the iTunes store. You can find it at uh, Creating Space with Wes Knight. Please pass that along. Share that with individuals who you feel like may need to hear this message, may be in a spot that this message could be just for them. I'm really active on Snapchat right now. I love that platform. Shirts for me and Snapchat at Wes Knight, one word. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Knight. Uh, I go Facebook Live two or three times a week. I've got a Mindset Monday portion. I package a little bit of positivity to help you uh, start your work week and push it in the right direction. And finally... Instagram and Twitter on the same handles, that is at Wesley T. Knight. So you can find me there. Come check it out. Have a conversation with me. I'm, I love to chat with everyone.
1: So you ain't hiding, bro. You I'm there. not
0: hiding, man. I'm out here, and I realize that the people that I looked up to in my life, they were those type of
1: guys. Mark, where can everyone find you and all the great things you're doing? Theundefeated.com. Oh, man. Appreciate that. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at right one. W-R-I-G-H-T underscore O-N-E-1. I'm out there a little bit. My day job is uh, working for ESPN for a new digital platform that we launched uh, five weeks ago called TheUndefeated.com. And uh, just go there, read it, let let us know uh, what do you think of the stories and the content that we're bringing to you there. But we're a little bit different. We're a little bit uh, never boring. Definitely unconventional. So check that out, TheUndefeated.com. Doing some other things as well. Probably too many to mention here, but for the most part. That's what I have going on and keeping Wes straight whenever he uh, you know, gets out. <laughs> no, Wes is doing just fine on his own. So- I, come,
0: I come to market at any point for <laughs> advice. And if you don't have two or three mentors, people in your life that can teach you and coach you, my recommendation to you as we round out this podcast, go find them. Go find them and get in front of them and ask how they did it. And they will help you. I promise. Yeah. Mark, appreciate it, my brother. My man. Love it. A Love it. Pleasure. Absolutely. Creating space. We keep this moving. Uh, I'm so excited. We've got lots of cool guests coming on the show. Please hit me with your feedback. Uh, I want to know what you're wanting to listen to. I want to know who has a message that needs to be heard. Uh, I'll go anywhere. Um, I will search the globe for a message that will help. Next week, episode
1: number six.